up, everybody? Merry Christmas Eve. Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Happy Holidays. Week 16, mostly in the books. This is the CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. Joining me, as they always do on Sunday night, three guys who need no introduction, but I'm going to... Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome you to the party, pal. Ryan Wilson, what's going on? Hello, hello. John Breach, happy holidays, pal. I am here to make sure you do not catch up shame anyone and that you do not <laughs> ruin Christmas for Sean by telling him about Santa Claus. And Sean, got some bad news. Santa Claus, he's not coming to your house. Hey, you know, I, you're, you're right, because the only thing I asked for this year is to beat you in fantasy, and that did not happen. Oh, wow. Uh, we'll get to that, of course. We don't want to do the entire podcast on that. This is the recap show. We recap the entire week. We will go game by game and handle Week 16's action, primarily, though, focused on the playoff picture and what it means. And unfortunately for Ryan Wilson, that means we take a detour right into your hellscape in New Orleans where the Pittsburgh Steelers thanks to a fake punt by Mike Tomlin, lose to the New Orleans Saints. They fall, and now they have to lie in the bed of poo-poo that they created by losing to the Raiders on the road and tying the Cleveland Browns early in the season in week one. They need Baker Mayfield to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, and they have to beat the Bengals in order to make the playoffs. Uh, what is your uh, level of... Scroogeness and how much did this ruin Christmas for you, Ryan? Not at all. Actually, I, they, they played. I mean, I hate people who say, "Oh, that was a great game when their when their team loses." They played probably their best game of the year and they lost. They didn't lose because of that fake punt. That's just you being a rabble rouser. But that's okay. That, I'm, is, I'm, that, I, is, that I, is correct. I think I've known you for eleven years, so I, I've seen everything. Sadly, but uh, best game they played all year. And you're right about one thing: the they had four games where they needed to go two and two. And they went 0-3 and 1. Starting with the Browns, they tied them in the Hugh Jackson era when that Browns team was doo-doo. And the Broncos, the Chargers, and then the Raiders. You beat the Browns and the Raiders, there's nothing to worry about. But they couldn't do that, and that's the, the situation they're in. Tom, Tomlin said after the game, we made it, we made our bed, and now we have to lie in it. And that's exactly right. When you have a game where Roethlisberger throws zero interceptions mm-hmm. and throws for 380 yards, has three touchdowns. Uh, what did AB do? I think he had 166 yards. 185, 185 on 14 <laughs> catches and two touchdowns. You, and, can't, you can't lose that game. Granted, they were playing the Saints in New Orleans. The Saints had just come home after being on the road for a month. But they are not the same team. All these high-powered teams are not the same teams they were a month, five, six weeks ago. They could have won that game. Um, you mentioned the fake punt. That didn't help. I was okay with it because I thought it would give the Steelers an opportunity to get the ball back quicker after Drew Brees scored. But uh, Drew Brees turned the tables and sort of ran the clock out. That said, they had a chance to tie it. And as uh, John Breach so eloquently pointed out to us as he tried to hurt my feelings, it would have probably come down to Chris Boswell trying to tie it with a field goal. And I, be- I honestly do think Chris Boswell is probably the most relieved person in, in North America <laughs> right now because if, if he had honked one from 35 or 40 yards, I don't know what would have happened to him. So, yeah, they lost. They need the Browns to – the Browns – are the Browns one of the – Top 12 teams in football right now? Yeah. You, okay. That's a great point. One, you would not want, a couple of points on this. One, you don't want to play the Browns right now. You wouldn't want to be a playoff team. You wouldn't want to be like the, uh, the Steelers or the Ravens 
as a four seed hosting the Browns as a wild card. That would not be fun. The Browns would be scary, even if it's Baker Mayfield on the road in his first playoff start. Uh, two, I think if you're as good as the Ravens looked on Saturday night, and we'll touch on that in a second, if you're if you're somebody in the AFC side of the playoffs, you are very happy that Ben Roethlisberger is probably not going to make the playoffs because the way that he looked for a stretch of that game, Sean, I thought was the best performance he put on the season. And Roethlisberger, when he's locked in, is as dangerous as it comes. He's a you know, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe a top five quarterback of his era. And I thought that he really put the Saints in a bad spot. And I'm very surprised that the Steelers did not win that game. Yeah, it's funny you say that because before the game, Cameron Jordan, of course, came out and said that Big Ben wasn't a Hall of Famer and that he would have ranked Eli Manning ahead of him, which, of course, is absurd. Um, I think the thing that impressed me, and Ryan hit on this, is that not only didn't he didn't throw any picks, he didn't throw any turnover-worthy plays. It wasn't like the Saints were just dropping interceptions. I think this really might have been his best performance of the season. And keep in mind, for the last month, we haven't been talking about the Saints offense. We've been talking about the Saints defense and how good they've been. So he did this on the road in one of the most hostile environments against a really good defense. Um, and I also want to give credit to Juju Smith-Schuster because he's going to take a lot of crap for his fumble at the end um, in field goal range that saved Chris Boswell from a chance to miss a game-tying kick. Um, but he played really well. And there was a period there in the first half where Antonio Brown had like negative two yards and he couldn't get anything going. And it was strictly Juju um, carrying that passing game. And he finished with 11 catches, 115 yards. I thought he played really well. Um, I, the Steelers just made a couple bad mistakes at the end of the game. I mean, we talk about the the botched uh, punt, the fake punt, but they also were in Steelers territory up by four. And on third and two, they handed the ball to uh, Stephen Ridley, who fumbled. And I, I just it seems like with... A.B. rolling um, with Big Ben playing the, his best game of the year, with Juju doing what he was doing, lining up in, you know, in power and handing it to Stephen Ridley, I thought was just a terrible play call. Um, and ultimately, they got, the, um, they got the ball back, and the fake punt looms larger. But I, just, I, th- I think at the end of the game, you look at their last three possessions, it was fumble, uh, fake punt, didn't work, and then fumble. So they kind of did collapse there at the end. I think that was a opening for you, Ryan, or maybe you, John, to jump in oh, and I say no. I'm going to say some, some not, not nice things about the Steelers. Go ahead, John. Uh, no, I had. You know what? I just want to go back to the fake punt because I do think that it was a senseless, dumb call. I don't want to say it's indicative of how Mike Tomlin's been coaching all season, but I definitely disagreed with it. And here's the thing: is that. We can talk about, hey, Drew Brees is going to drive right down the field and score. But the thing is, you look at the Saints' three possessions before that, the Steelers' defense had just been shutting them down. They, they had just come off the block field goal. Uh, and then before that, the Saints had two straight punts. So it's not like Drew Brees, besides that opening drive of the second half, they, the Saints really hadn't done anything. So why give them even the opportunity of having field position in – on the Steelers' side of the field, it made no sense. Why not pin them back and do what you've done on the past three possessions, which is just absolutely shut the Saints down. So the, the, the Saints' offense just didn't look good for a while, and you breathed new life to them. They didn't, so I just didn't get the call. It made no sense. The Steelers dug their own grave, and now Ryan, you can go ahead and put the, uh, the headstone on that. One uh one other notable moment I think that we're gonna overlook because it happened in the first quarter is that the Steelers got hosed again and, and every team gets bad calls it happens in the first quarter um it's not the it's not the reason they lost but there was a fourth down and one 
that the Saints went for around the 30-yard line, and there was nothing open. They threw up a prayer to Kamara at the goal line, and the ball wasn't anywhere close to him. And they called, I think, one of the worst pass interference penalties we've seen this year because there was minimal contact at all. It looked like, was it Joe Hayden? Uh, yeah. had his hand on Kamara's back, didn't push him, just had his hand on his back. Um, and that one play later, Ingram scores a touchdown, and uh, the Steelers were already losing by four. So, you know, Mike Tomlin said after the game that that wasn't the reason why they lost. Good teams should overcome mistakes like that. They should overcome uh, seven points given to the other team. <laughs> the point being, there's uh, there's plenty of chances. You know, they had plenty of chances to put the game away. Um, they made their own mistakes, but you're right. I mean... We, Here, saw that loss. we saw in that loss to the Chargers, they also got hosed. Let me ask you this. My prayer mentioned this uh, after the game, maybe during the game, after it happened. Is it, And not just about this, but just about what we've seen the entire season. Are the, officiating, are the officials over-officiating the game? Because it feels like to me nothing chaps my ass more than when there's a, a like a ticky-tack hold on the backside of a play and the play goes the other direction, and they call a holding and bring it back for no reason other than some numbnut whose job it is to stare at the – left tackle decided he needs to throw the flag. What are we doing? Why are we making this about all these 65-year-old guys who have part-time jobs and have nothing better to do, apparently, than to sort of disrupt the flow of a game when the game seems to be going well? I may or may not still be angry about that uh, false start touchdown in the San Diego game. I call him San Diego, as as well as the, the, the play that, that uh, Sean is just mentioning. I think that... Um... I'm looking for, I was, I, I, that was almost your Taylor Twelman moment. Where you, what are, what <laughs> are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Or as Sean likes to, uh, tweet, WYD guys, WYD. W, yeah, is that, is that what, is that what, uh, is that what WYD means? Yeah. That's an advertisement. To to I feel like I could probably um, be in the NBA. Anyway, uh, so. What was that? I was attempting to play what are we doing and that was just an advertisement. So that was lame. I really yeah, but is it being over officiated? Because I feel like. Yeah, it is. Here's, here's it. Like Gene Steratore pointed this out and he posted a photo of the Joe Hayden thing. And I mean, like Kamara wasn't going to come close to getting that ball no matter, like, no matter who was near him or what was happening. You know, he said Joe Hayden did have a hand of the receiver prior to the ball being there, but he should not have been penalized. The contact did not affect the receiver. I think that the officials are too distracted by having too many things to watch out for. The rules have become so complex that they're trying to juggle like 25 different things at once and, and, you know, and, and adjudicate all these different rules, adjudicate all these different rules. And, and the result has been, that they get the, the it's been a thinned out of the quality in terms of the flags they throw on certain plays. We also have you're able to see all these different replays and all of that, and so you you end up, you know, it's like you know, 20 years ago that flags thrown on Hayden, they're like, well, Jim, that's what happens in the National Football League, and they move on. And now it's like we get 65 replays, and you realize that Hayden didn't do anything wrong. Um, and there's just too much at stake to let this keep happening. You gotta have centralized replay and you gotta have the NFL step in and say, look, that's not a flag. We're not gonna allow that subjective in the moment reasoning to ruin, to ruin this game. So you, so do you think they should make like pass interference reviewable? I think that the NFL central command office should look at the replay and buzz them and say, listen, that was clearly not pass interference. It's not even. I was just going to say I half agree with Brenton in that if you if a coach gets two challenges in the game, they should be able to challenge whatever they want. Let's not like limit yeah. what they can challenge. If there's I pass trust. interference that deserves to be challenged, challenge it. There's no reason to have it. If they want to waste their challenge, you know, like Mike Tomlin always does, 
that's fine, but let them challenge any play. That that would be the difference or the change I would make. Well, you saw that on Sunday night too. Andy Reid against the the Seahawks challenged whether a ball was tipped in a pass interference call, and he was only able to challenge that because of the ball being tipped. And so, like, didn't was that the play? What was the play where you said the ball was tipped, Ryan? Was there a play? Oh yeah, it was yelling and screaming. I think it was uh, it was in the Steelers game. I thought it was pass. They called defensive holding. I thought it was pass interference, and I lost my mind because uh, no one seemed to realize it was it was tipped, even though everyone realized what had happened. But it was defensive holding before the ball had been thrown. And that, but that was one. Could Tomlin have challenged that, or could he not have? Well, I think the I don't know to be to to answer you, but I think the fact that it happened before I didn't I didn't that realize that Andy Reid could challenge whether the ball had been tipped and like what and, and that's the thing is like there are certain rules that box in certain penalties where they can't be challenged or certain situations where they can't be challenged and it's very easy the, the NHL does this you can have centralized replay be able to swoop in and say all right we're not going to allow the game to be dictated by a loophole in the rules that prevents coaches from challenging stuff. Bang! Here's what happened. We're gonna go with that. I mean, it's just, it's just this. You got you make eleven billion dollars a year, okay? Fix I'm, the freaking officiating. I'm fine with what Breach said, having not limiting challenges, because the whole idea with not challenging penalties originally is you shouldn't be challenging something subjective. But so many things in today's NFL are subjective, like the catch or like you know, does he have control going over the goal line? So I'm fine with that. My only concern is that I wouldn't want to add challenges or. Um, increase the amount of replays because I'm with you. If they can centralize it and have a really snap decision, I'm all for that. But everything we've seen from the NFL suggests that they are not capable of handling something like that and executing it quickly. Um, and I don't think I want more delays. But if I'm, I'm all for using, you know, two of your challenges on pass interference, I think that's fine. And, and let me say one other thing. I think it's possible that the quality of officiating is just kind of trying to adjust because it went down a little bit. I mean, 2018 was the mass exodus before the season started. We had four lead referees retire, which is like unheard of because all these guys have been on the job for so long. So not only do we have four new referees taking over crews, but we have all these new rules that are trying to digest, especially this season. And that's just a recipe for disaster. And the NFL, it feels like, is telling them to enforce different rules every week and nobody knows what to do. And now here we are with total chaos. Can we can we talk about the Saints real quick? Yes, of course. Um, I thought I thought they played really well. This is what I'll say: is I feel like Sean Payton could potentially do something that he did today, which was get a little bit too cute with Taysom Hill. Mm. He had Taysom Hill in the first quarter throwing a forty-yard bomb in the end zone that was picked off, and I'm fine with the, the little catch interceptions. I'm fine with the trickeration aspect. I guess it just it feels like when you have Drew Brees. I don't know if I want a single snap where he's not, you know, touching the ball. It, it seems like a little bit overkill. I don't really fully understand um, the Taysom Hill um, obsession or just he really wants to make it work, it seems like. And it's it, it's been okay, I guess. But the one thing you can't do is have him actually, you know, having designed passes. I'm fine with him running the ball. But um, come playoff time, it, you know, the Bill Belichick used to have that rule where Nobody but Brady throws the ball, and he ended up breaking that rule against the Ravens in that famous playoff game. Um, but I think that should be a rule the Saints should adapt, which is nobody but Breeze is throwing the ball. It's it's a waste of a down. Um, the Saints did look good on defense, fairly good on defense, right? Early on, and then I don't know what happened. I, yeah. I don't know. You mentioned Robert ben, ben just got hot. I mean, Ben I was dialed. Because that defense has been playing out of its mind. That's been a huge part of the reason that they've been so good. I still don't think they're at where they were. 
two months ago or whenever they were red hot. They had up that three games in a row where they didn't play well on the road. They came home. I feel like they should have dominated that game after about 15 minutes, and, and they didn't. But, again, maybe that's just Roethlisberger happen, happening to, to have a lights-out performance. But that said, they're going to be at home for the for the entirety of the, of the playoffs, so maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. Have they ever lost a home playoff game with um, Sean Payton and Drew Brees? I don't think so, right? Not that I can recall. I'm, I'm looking that up in uh, in just a second. But, yeah, I mean, look, like – the, the Saints defense played well. I thought the Steelers did a good job. They went tempo on them in the, in the second half, too. They adjusted really well. And that was the thing. Like, once Pittsburgh adjusted, you thought they were going to cruise the win, and they obviously didn't. Didn't think that. No one thought that. By the way, quickly, Tony Romo is balling out in the booth. I told you guys this earlier. You learn so much just listening to him. You can't say that about basically everyone else. But he pointed it out, and it made perfect sense. They, he said the Steelers need to quit blitzing Breeze, which is always dangerous. Rush four. They, they were able to get a pass rush with four, drop everyone else, and Breeze struggled. I don't know if that's a blueprint for everyone else. The Steelers' defense is not great. But I, I wonder if that's what other people will try to do to, to frustrate – you're not going to frustrate him, but to make it more difficult for him to, to do what he likes to do with Michael Thomas and everybody else. Yeah, the Saints have never lost at home with Drew Breeze and, uh, and Sean Payton in the playoffs, which is pretty – Pretty freaking impressive. The last time they had home field advantage in the playoffs, they, uh, was of course in 2009 when they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. The last home playoff game, uh, let's get, let's, Sean, what year were you born? I can't believe you don't know what year I was born. I don't know what year you were born. 1993, come on. 92, but appreciate the. Sean was one year, what year, what month were you born? September. September. You were, oh my God. You were four oh months old the last time the Saints lost a home playoff game. I, I remember that game. January 1993. The, oh, no, wait. Yeah, the 1992 season, January 1993, uh, Randall Cunningham came in there and beat Bobby Hebert. Um, anyway, moving along. Bobby Hebert, get it right. It's, I said it in a redneck voice. That's the joke. Um, I'll try to Bobby Bear. Anyway, moving along to the Ravens and uh, the Chargers who played. The Ravens and the Browns will play next week. The Char- the Ravens, Ryan, look, I, I pointed out that they beat up on some bad defenses for five weeks in a row. They beat the mm-hmm. living crap out of Phillip Rivers on Saturday night. That was an as impressive victory as it gets. I, I was all in on the Chargers, heavily invested in both fantasy and personal – Reasons, real life. Real life, and it nearly got ugly thanks to the Seahawks for winning and going over in parlay fashion on Sunday night. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I think the Ravens can make a run. Lamar Jackson's looking better. He's looking like he's throwing with more touch. They can pound the ball on you, and that defense is playing lights out. Yeah, they, they embarrass Phillip Rivers. And, you know, three days ago we were talking about this is the year that the Chargers are going to do it. This is Phillip Rivers' time and all that stuff. Apparently it's not because the uh, Ravens traveled across the country and they demoralized that team from start to finish. There was never a, a moment where I thought, okay, now the Chargers have control because Phil Rivers never had. Phil Rivers is good at frustrating defenses because he throws the ball in .3 seconds. The Ravens were in his face .2 seconds on every single snap, and they there were no answers. So if you do that and then you can't stop Lamar Jackson, who has gotten a lot better. He his throws were the throw the Mark Andrews throws. The Mark Andrew touchdown throw was incredible. And he still has moments where you look, okay, that's a terrible throw, but he's doing more of the good things than he was doing of the bad things, and, of course, he can run. And he's taking fewer hits. 
Um, Breach watched that game too. I don't know if he had any different thoughts, but I, I feel like they can get hot. I mean, you talk about no one wants to face the Browns. No one wants to face the Ravens either. So maybe that game ends up being three to three or something. I definitely have some different thoughts just because I don't like agreeing with you all the time, even though I do like agreeing with you. Here's the thing is that everything you said is right. The Ravens absolutely dominated the game. But here's my concern with the Ravens. Last week we were talking about what would they do if they fell behind? Do they have the offense that can overcome that? We still don't know. But that the flip side of that is they can't blow anyone out. That defense absolutely destroyed the Chargers, beat up Phillip Rivers, and here I was watching the Chargers on their second-to-last possession of the game down 16-10, to 10, and Phillip Rivers was dealing. They were driving down the field until Antonio Gates fumbled, and the defense made a play. It's not like Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, went and just blew this thing out of the water. So I absolutely thought that uh, despite getting just destroyed for, you know, 45, 50 minutes of this game that the Chargers still had a chance to win because the Ravens could at no point put this away and because, you know, ended up being Antonio Gates making this huge error and giving up the fumble return for a touchdown. So, you know, the Ravens have looked awesome for the past couple weeks, but this is not the game where I said, hey, this team can beat anyone in the NFL. Uh, You know, they let the Chargers hang around. The Chargers almost took advantage of that. So, you know, the Ravens have looked tough, but I'm not sold on them as uh, a Super Bowl winner. Is there a bigger baby in the NFL than Phillip Rivers? No. Sad. Except for maybe one of his babies. Maybe, <laughs> how, about, how about Roosevelt Knicks, who decided to He's celebrate? He just doesn't know where the first down mark <laughs> Who decided to celebrate when he got a first down on a fake punt by Mike, that Mike Tomlin stupidly called against the Saints in a loss that probably cost the Steelers their playoff berth. How about that? Well, I tell you this much, you'll never forget Rosie Nix, so maybe he made a name for himself. I'll never, I'll never forget Philip Rivers either. And you know what? You know what? Will Brenton branding techniques. Yeah, that's right. Just put it out there, see what happens. Do a daily podcast until people just can't get away from you. Um, I, I got, look, this is on me, this Philip Rivers thing. Um, the, of course the char- you would make this about yourself. Number one fan, Will Brenton. No, 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 Look, I. Yes, you are. Don't, don't. Don't walk away from that. I'm not walking away from that. I'm Philip Rivers' number one fan. Um, I <laughs> spent the entire week leading up to the Chiefs game pointing out that Rivers and the Chargers were going to poop their pants in a big spot. Um, I messed up. I saw the wrong game. I bought into the Chargers after the Chiefs game and thought that they could handle the Ravens at home when I should have realized that was the poop pants pooping moment was the Ravens, not the Chargers. I got tricked. It cost me a bunch of money because I faded the Chargers and then backed the Chargers this week. And uh, and so I apologize to everybody for misleading you in those spots. I failed you, and I, I would like to apologize. You, you I, know what? You know what else you did right. is you put Philip Rivers first on your MVP ballot, yeah. um, and then you also ranked Philip Rivers first on your quarterback hot rankings. Oh. I told you I cursed rankings. him. I told you I cursed yeah, him. So I'm saying you went above My and above him. Well, yeah, you are the Roosevelt next to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would you rather who Who would you rather be in a rematch? Because it looks like the Chargers and the Ravens are probably going to meet again. If the Ravens beat the Browns, the Ravens are in as the four seed. They win the AFC North. Uh, the Chargers are clinched as the five seed right now. If the Chiefs were to lose to the Raiders, which is highly unlikely, and the Chargers were to beat the Broncos in Denver, then the Chargers would be the one seed. But more than likely. Los Angeles will play Baltimore in Baltimore. What do you think the line will be for that game uh, breach? 
I think the Ravens will be favored probably by three or four points, but I would absolutely take the Chargers because what I saw on Saturday is that the Ravens played their best game possible, the Chargers played their worst game possible, and the Chargers still could have won it in the final minutes. Rivers played like crap, and the Chargers were also beat up with Keenan Allen, his hip injury, Melvin Gordon coming back. He looked a little bit like they didn't want to give him too many carries. So, I mean, that's it. Ravens played their best, Chargers played their worst, and this was still a close game. I don't think the Chargers will play that bad again, and I would take them. Did the Chargers play their worst, though? I feel like they uh, played. Phil Rivers, what, he hit the interception on the first play of the game, which he apparently likes to do now. But after that, he had no time to throw. So unless the offensive line is going to get better, I don't know magically how that fixes itself. Well, I mean, that first pass I felt like was pretty indicative of how he played. There was five or six passes where he was missing receivers. That, that, that could have been a touchdown on that yeah. interception on the first throw if he would have hit his receiver in stride. He underthrew him, and he had like five or six passes like that when he did have time to throw. And so – I don't think we'll see a game like that from Phillip Rivers again. I think the Chargers are just overwhelmed for playing two crazy games where they had to get up against the Steelers and the Chiefs. And it's tough to do that three weeks in a row. And they had already gotten their playoff spot, so just they, they didn't have the uh, the oomph that they needed. They ain't they ain't going to Baltimore winning. They'll, they'll Wrong. Get the ball first. They'll score on a on a twenty seven play drive, and they'll be probably <laughs> so loud that Rivers will be you know you won't be able to to, to yell dad gum at it at the referee, and you'll be able to hear him clearly. All right, on the <laughs> NFC. All right, let's 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 wrap up the uh, the chatter about the the AFC wild card. So, what we have right now, the AFC is nuts. Okay, so the Kansas City is the first seed. New England is the second seed. New England can get home field advantage if. The Chiefs lose and the Patriots and to the Raiders and the Patriots beat the Jets at home. New England would jump to be the one seed because they have a head to head over Kansas City and over the, uh, they they beat the Chargers too, right? Yeah. Over the Chargers and Kansas City. Um, Houston can jump to the two seed if Houston beats the Jaguars and if the Patriots lose to the Jets. That makes Sam Darnold very important. I don't think that'll happen. It's in Foxborough, but it could happen. Where it gets really dicey is in with Indianapolis and Tennessee, who play in week sixteen or week seventeen in Nashville, probably with Blaine Gabbert starting against Andrew Luck. The winner of that game, assuming there is no tie, is in the playoffs as the sixth seed. But if the Texans lose, the winner of that game would actually jump up and be the three seed ahead of uh, ahead of Houston. And so that, that gets really interesting and that's how things could shake out. If the Raven, if the, if the Colts and the Titans were to tie and the Steelers win, the Steelers would actually get in as the sixth seed. So you have hope that way, Ryan. Um, who, who Sweet. would you, who would you rather be right now, Sean? The Titans or the Colts? I mean, obviously the Colts, uh, Andrew Luck against Blaine Gabbert. I mean, I, the game got flexed into primetime, right? It is flexed into like, Sunday it, It's a good move. It's the only rational move. You have to do it. But I kind of feel like it's going to be a blowout. Um, no? You're the Titans, giving me Titans giving me looks. I mean, the, the Giants almost beat the Colts today in Indy. Yeah. The Titans. And this is in Nashville, that's right. Yeah, and like, yeah, but, I mean, as much as we've ragged on Eli Manning, I think he's I think he's more dependable. He played terribly yesterday. He play, actually played pretty well. He played better than Marcus Mariota, you might be able to argue. Yes, it was the Redskins. But the Redskins defense isn't garbage. I will, to answer Brinson's question, I will take the better quarterback, um, hands down. And I, I think we've seen the Titans, um, have absolute stinkers before. Um, and we've also seen them play well, but I just, I don't trust the Titans at all. I'm not, I don't know if I trust the Colts to win a playoff game, but I think you just, if you're going luck or luck or scabbard, I think you have to take luck every single time. 
The Derrick Henry, the last three games, 71 carries, 492 yards, seven touchdowns. His first 13 games of the season, Derrick Henry had 200, no, 128 carries, 474 yards, and five touchdowns. He's now top 10 in the league in rushing. He's been terrible all year. He has more, himself. he has more rushing yards the last three games. Is Derrick Henry enough, Ryan, to overcome Andrew Luck? No, no, Sean's right. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be close for the reasons you sort of pointed out that the Giants were up 14 nothing, then up 17 7. I really could have used the Giants winning that game as a Steelers fan, but uh, they chose not to uh, because of Eli Manning, the quarterback for the next five years. But <laughs> I watched a lot of that game. Andrew Luck is, he's an MVP candidate. Probably, I think I have him now in my, in my latest rankings that Sean will write up uh, in a few days higher than your boy Philip Rivers. I'm not even kidding. He's, he's playing well. And T.Y. Hilton had a huge game. We know about Eric Ebron's a resurgence. The offensive line's been fantastic. And the defense actually sort of wasn't great early on. They got it together against the Giants. Uh, they're a really good unit. So, I mean, Sean's right. There's no way that I would imagine Blaine Gabbert's going to have a career day against, against the Colts. But I think that certainly Indy can go there. They can win that game however they do it, find themselves in the playoff. I do think they can win a playoff game, however. I don't think it's going to be a situation where – like they were under Chuck Pagano, where where they struggled to do that. But I feel like um, the way Andrew Luck's playing, he's playing better than he has in three, four, five years. I don't know. I agree completely with you. I'll just throw this out. Also, Andrew Luck ten and zero all time against the Titans. He's never lost to them, and they won that game earlier this year, thirty eight to ten. I would take Andrew Luck by two touchdowns minimum. I, Blake Gabbert's three and zero in the games he's played this year. That's true too. Can I make it? That might. Can I make a confession? I didn't watch a single play in the first three quarters of the Redskins-Titans game. I had to because I was working. Actually, Josh Johnson, um, and Breach can attest to this, played out of his mind. He is probably 47 times better than Mark Sanchez has ever been. And then he sort of threw an egg at the end there, threw an interception. Um, it may have been Josh Dockson's fault. It's not even clear. But um, I I feel like he has to come back. But they're going to have Colt McCoy. Alex Smith's career is done. We don't have to talk about this now. But uh, the way he played, I feel like he played himself into a job in 20, 2019. And we'll have to talk about how that hurts the San Diego fleet also. Well, does it hurt the Philadelphia Eagles? Because they've got to play the Washington Redskins on Sunday in Week 17. And if the Eagles win that game and the Vikings lose, the Eagles and Nick Foles, who broke Donovan McNabb's single-game passing yards record for the Eagles franchise on Sunday with 471 yards and four touchdowns, would get into the playoffs, making me look like a chump. Clown, I would get dragged on Twitter. I will get absolutely dragged. You guys will love it. And if I don't take us to a commercial break right now, I will also probably get dragged by our bosses. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Sean, so here's the question. Can the Bears take care of the Vikings and the Eagles take care of the Redskins to help launch Nick Foles into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't I don't think the Bears will rest. I 
Personally, I don't think there's any way the Rams slip up. And so I would, I mean, today you had Akeem Hicks. You had a couple guys, kind of Allen Robinson go down. That kind of gave me a heart, brief heart attack. Um, but there's no way by winning that game today that they can sit there, guys. I don't think the Eagles will slip up. And I think part of the reason why there's, there's like a small part of me that wants the Bears to rest their guys because I kind of want the Bears to face the Vikings in the first round over the Eagles. Like I told you um, last week. Like I told you. Like I remember, because I, I, remember I told you your feelings are wrong and your personal thoughts are wrong and that you should listen to me and that I I'm would just, know. Bruce, I, I'm just sick of you telling me how I should feel. Let me, I, but was that, I was right. Let me feel, let me, these are, this is how I feel. This sounds like, like an abusive are. relationship. <laughs> Sean, you're not old enough to feel feelings yet. Give it like another year or two. Just for, I, just for the record. Don't don't tweet me and tell me that I need to let Sean be his own man on my podcast, okay? On our podcast, like I, oh, you hear that, Sean? It's his podcast. It's my podcast. Uh, don't 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 tweet me and say how dare you interrupt Sean during his moment of glory? Like he went off about the Bears for seven minutes, okay? Like that was enough. I'll interrupt Sean whenever the hell I want. Anyway, I, Sean, I do I do like for people who didn't see this exchange on Twitter. Um, a very nice person on Twitter defended me and sent Brenton a nice message saying, I don't know, did he call you a clown? It was, he basically told you to stop being so mean to me in that I'm a true professional Sean's and people want to hear my thoughts and Brenton should stop interrupting me. And Brenton's re- reply on Twitter is not that, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. It's, you should see this, the things I say to him off mic. <laughs> Someone tells Brenton he's being um, an a-hole and Brinson says, Oh, it's even worse what you don't hear. So I, I love that. That that's what Brinson said. Classic uh, Brinson. This is why the Eagles were scary. It's that you, you could kill them in the playoffs, but they also have Nick Foles and you just don't know what version of Nick Foles you're going to get. This is a guy who just has two extremes. He's either the backup quarterback um, or he's the Super Bowl MVP. In the last two weeks, he's been the Super Bowl MVP at the beginning of the season. He was not that guy. Um, so that's what's scary is, and I think it's also scary from the Eagles perspective because you, I don't think you really know what you're going to get. I think he'll be fine against Washington, but if you were to get in a playoff game against a defense like the Bears, I would still feel comfortable the Bears would win that game. Um, because I think the Bears defense is good enough to induce a full stinker, but the Texas defense has been pretty good and he played very well today. Um, I don't, are, is there, if the Eagles go on a Super Bowl run here with Foles, is there any chance we have a controversy with no. Wentz? And well, let me let me throw in this: is that he has a back thing. He's came off the ACL. I'm not saying I would pick full Fractured, fractured wrist in college. I just I I we don't have to think that it's valid for it to happen because it absolutely will happen if they win at least one playoff game with Nick Foles. What will happen? There will people will be writing articles about oh. how. Why the Eagles yeah. should trade Carson Wentz and Those, build around that discussion? No, that discussion is already out there. It's like floating on the periphery, but nobody's going to take it seriously. But if Nick Foles wins back-to-back Super Bowls, how do you go with someone else? How? Well, here's the thing: if you're an Eagles fan, you must be happy to have two Super Bowls, no matter what. Ha- you could blow the team up and then trade for Mark <laughs> Sanchez, and you should be okay with it. And if look, if you win two Super Bowls with Nick Foles and you want to keep him and you want to trade Carson Wentz for two first-round picks. That's fine. I mean, I'm not going to say that's the worst idea ever because you're not going to, you're not winning the Super Bowl three years in a row, whoever the quarterback is. So yeah, in that sense, that's fine. And that's a great, that's a great story for, for Nick Foles, who will uh, be the anti-Rosie Knicks. But I, I don't know. Others, anything short of that, I, I think you stick with the guy you drafted second overall a couple years ago. Do I, do, uh, do if, I, you, if you told an Eagles fan, 
when Wentz was drafted that they were going to win two Super Bowls, but without Wentz, they would care at all? No, they wouldn't at all. They would dump him in the toilet in a second. <laughs> and so I don't think that there's – if Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl this year, there is, like, hands down, this is not a decision. You play Nick Foles until the wheels fall off the wagon, and you keep Carson Wentz because he's still under a cheap contract, so there's no harm done. And it seems like they're buddies, so I don't even think they would care. Actually, you roll with Foles until he can't would, roll anymore. And, you know, would instead Bengals, of – Would the Bengals give up two first-round picks for, for Wentz? Would you do that? Is Andy Dalton still alive in this scenario? <laughs> sure. Then no, they are going to ride the Andy Dalton train at his fourteen million dollar year contract until he retires from football. I, th- I think you get three first round picture wins. If you get three first round picture wins and you can win with Nick Foles, I mean, or if two Super Bowls, it doesn't. A lot matter. of health problems. Well, why don't they just? I I feel like they need to trade Foles in the off season because. I, Foles is, Foles I think is you a need free, to sell high on him. Folds is a free agent. Right. Oh, sorry. Okay. Because well, his contract, they should have already traded him. Well, he's got an option. He said after the game on Sunday, he's like, "Yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. It was incredible. It was a little bittersweet. I understand this was probably my last home game in Philadelphia because they won't get they you know they won't get a home game if they get into the playoffs." Um, my buddy Garrett has been texting me for like two weeks about this. He's like, "So we we really?" He's like, "They really think that." Foles isn't better. I mean, he's like, are we sure Foles isn't better? I mean, people think this out there. It's like a, it's an easy would, thing that I, people think. I would rather have Foles than Flacco if we're talking about quarterbacks that hit well, the Well, that's a completely mark, different conversation. No, I'm just, we're talking about where, if Foles is going to play next year, he's probably not going to resign with the Eagles because I think there's going to be one team out there who wants that bridge type of, you know, the Case Keenum type of contract like the Broncos did, and maybe they'll draft someone. And I would rather have Foles than a Flacco. Is is he going to be the like hottest quarterback commodity to sign? Probably, right? Would you trade if if the Eagles called the Browns and said, "Hey, we'll give you Carson Wentz for Baker Mayfield"? The Browns hang up, right? If they yeah, said, "Do we give yes. you Carson Wentz and a first round pick to the Browns?" No, you have your guy. They spent thirty years trying to find their guy, and they have him. Why would they trade him for a guy as you just pointed out has all sorts of health issues? Okay, if you're getting a first round pick, I would do it. The Browns what got if the Eagles call up the Patriots, Carson Wentz for there Tom Brady. The... There you go. Or like or Patriots, like, uh... Patriots would do that. Patriots what would like, do that. Would, yeah. Wouldn't they? After Absolutely, the season, right? the yeah, Eagles want to do it though. But Tom Brady must have a no trade clause. Eli does. I can't imagine that Tom Brady would let that happen. Yeah, it's called Bob Kraft. He <laughs> ran he's Jimmy like, G out of town. He's like, hey Bob, I'm not getting traded. Um, th- my point with the Baker Mayfield thing was more that we spent. A year plus crushing the Browns for passing on Carson Wentz in the draft. And And Deshaun. And Deshaun. And it looks like they made a very reasonable decision. If you were starting a franchise today, Patrick Mahomes is the first guy. But I don't think Baker is that far behind at number two. And Deshaun, maybe, maybe you got Deshaun. I would take Baker too. Baker, by the way, did it again on Sunday. Went out there, threw three touchdown passes, and after, as the game is wrapping up, after he throws this long pass to David and Joku, and Joku gets down like the five yard line, it kills the game. They take knees after that. As he's running down to get the ball and take knees, he runs past Hugh Jackson and he slows down and he turns and he smiles at Hugh Jackson 
and then he keeps jogging, and then he turns back around, he smiles a little bit more, and then he starts to walk away, and then he turns around and backpedals, and he's just backpedaling, grinning at Hugh Jackson the whole time, rubbing Hugh Jackson's face in it, reminding the Bengals and Hugh Jackson that they're a bunch of clowns, a bunch of losers, a bunch of frauds, and that Hugh is a traitor, and he deserves to be shattered into a thousand pieces and sent into the wind with the Bengals franchise. Baker wins the day again. What do you think, John? Here's what I think is that I actually agree with everything you just said, <laughs> even though you called the Bengals clowns, is is if you have the quarterback of your rival clowning this guy, the Bengals are thinking about hiring Hugh Jackson as their head coach. The guy is the laughing stock of the NFL. He just got clowned on an NFL football field by a rookie quarterback. That <laughs> is literally like, rock bottom. And yeah, twice. And this was after Demarius Randall handled a football to Hugh Jackson. Like, if that alone does not keep you from hiring Hugh Jackson, I don't know. You have no pulse of what's going on anywhere because the Browns will own this rivalry for the next 10 years if they hire Hugh Jackson. I think that's what Baker Mayfield, that's what everyone in the Browns organization wants to happen. Uh, I mean, it was amazing. I'm glad the Browns kind of embarrassed them. I do hate that this game got close at the end. Uh, but I wanted the Browns to embarrass them. The Browns, it's going to hopefully bring about more change in Cincinnati. I don't usually root for the Bengals to lose by four touchdowns, but that's what I wanted to see today. And this was best case scenario was the Browns rolling to a win. Baker Mayfield looking awesome, clowning Hugh Jackson and, you know, just the Bengals looking like trash. So good for Baker Mayfield. The Browns made a smart move. I'm glad they're set for the next 10 years. As a starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield has more wins against Hugh Jackson than with Hugh Jackson, which is pretty incredible when you consider that Hugh Jackson was Baker Mayfield's coach the, for however many weeks. Hugh Jackson, the Browns have the same, the Browns have the same number of wins in the same season against Hugh Jackson as they did with Hugh Jackson. That's incredible. That's, there's no way that has ever happened in the history of football before. No, no chance. Guy goes three and 36 and one, you don't keep him around. Hey, Breach, uh, Catherine Terrell of ESPN, I don't know if you saw this, Vance Joseph to be a candidate for Bengals DC defense coordinator, potentially head coach when your boy Marv decides to retire. How do you feel about Vance? I mean, they, all they do there is recycle coaches. The ownership, Mike Brown, he's going to hire familiar people. Vance Joseph is familiar. If Marvin Lewis stays, they'll bring him back in. It's going to be Marvin, Hugh, and Vance Joseph. And then Hugh or Vance, whoever's slightly more popular, which is like just mind-boggling, one of those two is likely going to be the head coach in the next two years. Is is I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm losing track of my thought. I'm so bent out of shape just thinking about it. But all bad ideas. None of these guys should be the Bengals head coach. Whenever Marvin's done, Mike Brown's going to go cheap, and I've keep pointing out, point, pointing this out to Lock and Fora. I think Mike Brown's going to go cheap and time the contract of the new coach with the CBA, so it ends when the CBA comes up, so that way he doesn't have to pay anybody. He's not going to want to pay any of his coaches when they're in a lockout. He's going to have no coaching staff, no overcharges for coaches. He's going to give Vance Joseph a three-year deal or Hugh Jackson a three-year deal, and then not renew it going into the lockout. It's going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Browns, anyway, the Browns have to beat the Ravens on Sunday for the Steelers to have a chance. We've covered that ad nauseum. Just wanted to bring it up a tenth time to remind Ryan and, about where he's And, and let me throw in one, one little nugget, since this is the only positive note on the Bengals all year. Joe Mixon ran for 68 yards, and somehow, some way, believe it or not, he is the first and only AFC running back that's gone over a thousand yards this year. There's not been an AFC running back over a thousand, and the first one was Mixon, who plays for a dreadful team. And that's why Derrick Henry is in the top ten. 
That is why Derrick Henry is in the top ten. Uh, Philip Lindsay will cross over that tomorrow. Unless he fumbles on his first carry and breaks his ankle, and then I win my fantasy football game. I'm not rooting for that. that. That's Brinson. Last week it was admitting DUIs on scooters. This week it's wishing (laughs) broken ankles upon rookies. I didn't admit to any sort of DUI. 36-year-old wishes 23-year-old breaks ankle. First of all, I'm 37. (laughs) Oh, I should have let it slide. Second of all, I didn't admit to a Dewey. I said I drank a bunch of beer and rode a bird scooter. Third of all, did you know that you could get your own bird scooter? I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yeah, there was an article about how it's cheaper to just own if you actually use buy it, a bird. Buy it. Yeah, and then can drive it. Then you could drive it around and just hop Here's out. Here's my question, though. What do you? I, I I actually haven't ridden one of those things, even though I actually live in a city, unlike you. Um, but I live in what a you, city, if, clown. If you own one, if you own one. Can you, is there a way to like lock it? Like, what if I like rode it to the gym? Like, that's the thing. Is like, you, there's no like parking garage for it. So like, listen, why, listen, the thing Sean, with like Sean, it is that you can just leave it on the street and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, Sean, I don't have many rules in life. One of them is I don't answer scooter questions from millennials. That's that's <laughs> one of my rules. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't. I have no idea what the hell you do. But uh, Philip Lindsay will go over. Nick Chubb next week will likely go over. Derek Henry next week will likely go over. Lamar Miller, if he is healthy, could go over. Um, and you're right. There's only there's only six thousand yard running backs this year. Somehow Adrian Peterson is one of them. Who uh, who could have seen that coming? The other guys: Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Top four rushers, all first round picks. I think that's kind of interesting. Joe Mixon would have been one if he hadn't gotten in, uh, done some terrible things in college. Sunday night's game was incredible. The Seahawks 38, Chiefs 31. Did this in any way, Sean, diminish Patrick Mahomes standing as the clear cut favorite to win MVP? No. I mean, you look at his stats, he still threw three touchdowns and I think it's telling that a down game by Patrick Mahomes the standard is going twenty three or forty for two hundred and seventy three yards. Are you worried uh, are you worried that whenever he goes on the road in prime time, he kind of looks shaky for the first quarter or so? No, because he still put up thirty one points. Here's what concerns me about the Chiefs is that their defense when they need a stop can't get a stop. And look, as a Mahomes fantasy guy, I you felt really helpless watching the Chiefs defense because you felt like there was no way in hell that the Chiefs defense was going to get the ball back. And here, here's what was kind of concerning is that it used to just be in the running game. The Seahawks were just throwing bombs on them down at the end, and they completed two of them. And Kendall Fuller didn't play. Um, he's a good player. He'll, he'll help when he's healthy. Um, I think the Chiefs defense is a big problem. And if I have a concern about the Chiefs offense is that as, as good as Damian Williams has looked, I still think the Kareem Hunt ab- absence is being felt because he was that guy that could turn the five yard screens into, you know, 40 or 50 yard touchdowns. So I think they're still feeling that. I'm not concerned about Mahomes. I still, I think he's a clear cut MVP. Um, but that defense isn't improving even with Eric Berry back. And like with the, like with the Saints and the Rams, all these teams that we thought were the clear cut Super Bowl favorites have kind of faded a bit and, I don't want to overreact. They're still a really good team. They're still going to get the one seed because they're going to beat the Raiders at home. Um, but they're not peaking right now. And as we've seen so many times throughout the years, it's not the best team. It's not the team that peaks from September to November. It's the team that gets hot at the right time. The Chiefs, by, uh, there's no line available yet at the Westgate because the Raiders have to play on Monday night, of course. Uh, I would assume that the Chiefs at home against the Raiders, Ryan, are favored by like 18 and a half, 16 and a half. Good Lord. 
yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. Um, I think to, to follow up on what Sean it's not said, gonna, it's not going to be nine. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. The, the Chiefs were favored by fourteen in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, that means they're going to be twenty-one. No. Oh, okay, but to follow up on what Sean said, it wasn't Mahomes starting slow had nothing to do with the outcome of this game. Damian Williams had that ridiculous fumble, and then Chris Conley had an even worse fumble. I don't understand in this day and age someone running down the field holding the football like a loaf of bread, or I don't know what else you would compare it to. But why Why are you doing that? I don't understand. He gets knocked out, and, and that changes. So that's two turnovers there. Everything else Mahomes did after the first quarter was spot on. Um, he had an incredible throw in the third quarter to Travis Kelsey to keep the chains moving. They had that ridiculous sideways sort of shortstop in the hole throw for a touchdown that is probably his second best throw of the year after the no-look pass. Um, and then he drove him down again to the end. They had a fantastic touchdown in the corner, I think, to Robinson on that sort of the ball he threw out of bounds and Robinson grabbed. So he's not the issue. And if you don't make mistakes, even with this horrible defense, you can still win games on the road. It's just that when they make mistakes, sort of like the Steelers we saw in, in New England, uh, New Orleans, you have to be able to overcome them, and they couldn't do it because of that defense is garbage. And um, that's where they are. I mean, they win next week. It's all fine. The uh, Patriots will have to come to uh, Kansas City, assuming Patriots win, uh, and then we'll have a rematch, and, and hopefully you know, we can get rid of New England going back to the Super Bowl. This is how the Chiefs defense ended the game. 12 plays, 65 yards, field goal. 8 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. They forced a three and out. 6 plays, 70 yards, touchdown. 8 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. I mean, that's just, I don't, I don't know any way you can blame the quarterback when he's matching them score for score, but just couldn't get in a position where it was a one-score game and he had the ball. The, I, I think... Um, no, go ahead. Uh, Branson. No, go ahead. Uh, the, uh, I, I think watching this game that, like, the Chiefs off my Super Bowl radar. I don't think they can win with that defense. It's so bad because you're going to need, like, 450 yards and five touchdown passes from Patrick Mahomes in every game they play in the postseason, which just doesn't happen in every game of the postseason. There's always going to be a bad game or you have to switch your style. And that's why I love the Seahawks. Like, they're totally the chameleons of the NFL playoffs, or, or they're going to be, is – they need to run the ball. They will just cram that thing down your throat. They need to pass it. Oh, Russell Wilson will just light up the sky. Their defense can hang, stop the run. They can stop the pass. They can do whatever they need to do. They, they held Mahomes just enough in check not to let Kansas City win this game. And, uh, you know, Brinson toots his picks all week. So I will say as the guy who is 14 to one picking the Seahawks this year, I think the only team they can't beat in the playoffs is the Bears. And if they can avoid the Bears, I, like I could see them getting the Super Bowl. Well, so you, so Ravens. Oh my, Seahawks. my Chief Super Bowl pick. Can so you Ravens Seahawks breach? You're all in on the Seahawks. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what will happen at CBS headquarters if it's Ravens Bears Super Bowl? I would like Sears. to see. Chiefs, I think Chiefs Bears would be awesome. But right, Ravens Bears is a different conversation. Ravens. Bears. I would love Ravens Bears. I don't know if you would. Because I like the Ravens. Um, Rave, that's your team name, your fantasy team name? What's, isn't it, isn't oh, it like, yeah. Isn't it, like, isn't it like okay, a it, Star Wars joke what, or something? What if it's Ravens, Bears, Lamar Jackson gets hurt like on the final play of the AFC title game, Joe Flacco has to start in the Super Bowl, throws four touchdown passes, wins MVP, and they win. Yep, that's, I actually, someone, I tweeted, I'm so ready for a Ravens, Bears Super Bowl, and someone replied, oh, it's going to be 9-6, nine, 9-6, six, nine, six. and I was like, nope. Lamar Jackson's going to get hurt, and Joe Flacco is going to have one of those W2F games where he throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. What the if what if story. what if Mitchell Trubisky gets hurt, and the Bears have to sign Jay Cutler to play against Joe Flacco? I would. That would probably be the greatest moment of my life. I would probably fly to Chicago to see that in person. It would be in for the Super Bowl. It'd be in Atlanta. Sean. Well, I would. I'll see you in Atlanta. 
It'd probably be fun to watch in Chicago, though, also. That's true. <laughs> Maybe I'll go to Nashville, actually, hang out. Yeah, hang out Breach in Nashville. Yeah, you and Breach. Breach actually lives in Cutler's guest house. Cutler doesn't know it, but that's where Breach lives. <laughs> uh, all right, moving along to some other games. I, bet, I, I would not be surprised if it was Seahawks Chargers in the Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> that's insane. Why right, is that move on. It's, it's one thirty. I'm, I'm with Brinson. I think people overreacted a bit too much to the Chargers loss. The people, you saw Not people on Twitter. You saw people on Twitter being like, "Rivers is too emotional. He has these meltdowns. He's too unpredictable. He had a bad game against one of the best defenses in football. A lot of other quarterbacks have bad games against the Ravens. One game doesn't mean Philip Rivers suddenly sucks in the Chargers. No, he doesn't suck. If, if Antonio a... Gates doesn't fumble, they might win that game. And so this is a Gates pattern, isn't it? There again. Yeah, it's huh? a pattern, Ryan. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. It's a pattern. It happens at NC no, State stuff. Crap the bed <laughs> at, the, at the worst possible time. It's a freaking pattern. I said it was happening two weeks ago, and I thought that we shut the monkey off the back, and now it's back. It sucks, Ryan. Go to hell. You sound like my dad at Christmas. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up for my in-laws. Um, Vikings, 27. Lions, nine. People were listening to this podcast on Christmas Eve traveling like, what is wrong with these idiots? 27 to nine. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 73 rushing yards. Appeared to really get going near the end. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, nine catches, 122 yards and two touchdowns, including a crazy Hail Mary at the end. The Vikings covered a six and a half point road favorites. Zach Zinner paced the way for the Lions. Matthew Stafford had 116 yards. Matthew Stafford sucks. His stats. His fault though. I don't know. His stats the last six weeks are horrific. He's averaging now less than 200 passing yards per game, and he has thrown six touchdowns and six interceptions in six weeks. He's you been know, he's been neutered. It's like he's, he's been neutered. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, Kenny Galladay led the, led them in receiving six catches on 15 targets for 58 yards. What are we What are we doing here, people? Um, are you worried that the Vikings' offensive line is not good enough, John, for them to to make a run here? I'm very worried. I'm worried their offense is trash, to be honest. Like, it, the thing is, I really think even if the Bears rest their starters, they're going to have a tough time against the Bears next week. Like, watching this game, it was – the Vikings had four yards in the first quarter. Four yards. If they don't complete that Hail Mary, they're trailing 9-7 to seven at halftime, and they have, like, 80 yards in the first half. Like, they played an ugly first half. That Hail Mary kind of masked it. And I also think it completely deflated the Lions and, and, and rejuvenated the Vikings because the game flipped after that Hail Mary. Vikings came out. They absolutely owned the second half. Uh, and despite this blowout win, I, yeah, I'd be absolutely concerned with their offensive line. I'd be absolutely concerned with the way Kirk Cousins is playing, even though his numbers looked good. That's He's he's like the new Eli Manning, where his, his numbers look good every week. But you kind of have to look deeper into it when he's, he's checking down and, and finding those little passes and not throwing Hail Marys. Uh, so I, I think the Vikings are definitely a worrisome team, and that's why, uh, you know, Sean's saying that he'd probably rather see the Vikings than the Eagles in the playoffs. It's because they definitely seem like the more beatable team if I'm the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I, I would agree. I want to make one really quick point about Matthew Safford. I don't think he's playing that differently than he always has. I think he's having a Matthew Safford year, and if you look at his passer rating this year, passer rating is not the end-all, be-all, but... 88.7. His career passer rating is 88.3. He's always just been an inconsistent guy. And I think a couple of years ago when Jim Bob Cooter first took over and we fell in love with the name, um, Matthew Stafford got a lot of acclaim what's, because what's, why did you, why did we fall in love with the name? I don't know, Brenton. You can probably Google that, but are, are you saying you hate Google. Cooter now? Google, you have any Google Jim Bob? 
This is why people completely lost. I, I, yeah. I'm trying to make. I'm a professional, just trying to make my point here. But Princeton <laughs> just interrupting me. Um, is this a cootie? The steam, the a... steamboat soldiers on. Let me let me just say that. <laughs> Did you just call yourself the steamboat? <laughs> wait, wait. What's the rule? You guys can call me steamboat. It's okay, but I call myself steamboat. Suddenly, that's not cool anymore. Come on, guys. It's say, a double standard here. You didn't even say like steamboat needs to talk. You're like the steamboat's rolling on. Okay. Yeah, I'm embracing it. You know what? Okay. This, my, my point being is I feel like there was two years ago where we suddenly started talking about Matthew Stafford. This is probably the season before his extension about how he had turned a corner and he was suddenly this fringe MVP guy there. But the only reason we were saying that is because he broke Peyton Manning's single season record for fourth quarter comebacks. But I think what we forgot in the, all that is the only reason the Lions were in those positions where they needed to come back is because Matthew Stafford played poorly for like two and a half quarters. And so I think what he's doing is just being Matthew Stafford. And if I'm the Lions, I'm kind of concerned. I don't know what his cap hit is it's off the top lot. of my head, but it's a lot. Well, David Smith gets angry. He's a Lions fan. Every Sunday he goes off about how much he makes and how poorly he plays. He really does. And so they are kind of stuck with him, and yes. his cap hit is a lot, which makes building around him difficult. And as we all can see, they have a lot of holes on their roster. They're he's, probably he's, not going to keep Ziggy Anza, and who is the pass rusher on that team? He's uncuttable uh, until after 2020. You know can I ask Sean a question? His, his dead cap real quick next year is $49 million. No. Sean, Sean, how much of this blame do you put on Matt, Matt Patricia? Is he your new Sean McDermott? No, I don't think he's good, but I think – Ryan, just give me a look. What? I said he's not good, okay? But I also think this team has problems, and I think even if Sean, Jim Caldwell... Sean, say the last two years under Jim Caldwell. Okay, but I think we're starting... I think even if Jim Caldwell had been here, I think we would have started to see the decline. So they would have gone from back... If you trade Golden Tate, that's... You trade... Uh, Patricia probably has a hand in that, so... I'll, Why I'll are you so hard to Sean McDermott, but you're willing to give this hobo a pass? Why are... <laughs> I, you know, we don't have to rehash the Sean McDermott. We've talked about it a million times. I'm talking about Matt Patricia though, because he, he's. I don't think he's good, but I think the Lions have bigger problems than Matt Patricia. And the problem is they have a terrible roster and they can't exactly solve it unless they hit on draft picks because they have a really they expensive have a terrible roster the last two years. Didn't, I mean, the, the Cardinals roster wasn't terrible either. And Wilkes helped make it terrible with the decisions he made and, and the personnel. He tried to, I, I said Matt Patricia, not good. What what more do you want from me? You said it, he wasn't the problem. John asked you if he was I don't think he's the biggest problem facing the Lions. I think the biggest problem facing the Lions is they have a roster full of holes, and they have an expensive quarterback, and I think they have to draft really well if they're going to have a chance to compete in the future. And they're also stuck in a really good division. Let me ask you this. If yeah. they had hired Sean McVay instead of Matt Patricia, would, would Matthew Stafford be better? Yes, because Sean McVay makes everyone look better, or Jared Goff look better. But that there. should be the goal of the of the person you hire, I would imagine. But there aren't, there isn't. A, okay, fine. I'm fine with them if they fire Matt Patricia. I really am. Like I don't. I think it, that's all I, I wanted to hear. But I think <laughs> I think there are a lot. I think most coaches outside of the McVays and the Belichicks would really struggle with this Lions team as currently constructed, and I think they they're in for rough times until they can cut Stafford, unless they hit on draft picks. But that's a crapshoot. The steamboat's feeling it in the uh, NFC North. Let's move along. I don't want to t- Jacksonville, Miami. Look, I'm just going to say this. Uh-oh. Blake Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler combined to go 17 of 23 for 145 yards, and the Jaguars won by 10 points. Adam Gase is probably is getting fired. That's 
That's all. Anybody else? I feel like Adam Gase would do a better job with Matthew Stafford. I would much rather have Adam Gase than Matt Patricia. Okay. Nothing from yeah. Steve Boat. Yeah. Steve I mean, I like Adam Gase. He, he, him and Cutler are bros, which I, means I'm by extension a bro. I would say, I would say that either Gase or Tannehill has to go one or the other. Like the management might go to Gase and say, hey, well, if this is not working with Ryan Tannehill, we have seen him throw some ugly pick sixes, ugly turnovers this year. And the one he had, uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter, the game still, it's 10 to seven. Miami's trailing totally could still win this, keep their playoff hopes alive. And Tannehill just dumps it off like five yards downfield right to Telvin Smith who walks in the end zone for probably the easiest touchdown of his life. Now it's 17 to seven game over. Like that should be Tannehill's final pass in Miami. He should get a pink slip in his stocking for Christmas and Gay should just move on. Uh, and that's what he should tell the owner. That's what we should tell Steven Ross. Hey, look, you know what? I tried with Tannehill. It didn't work. Give me one more year with a new quarterback and we'll see how it works. I think Adam Gase might be a little bit overrated as an offensive mind. And I think his stock peaked when he was with Peyton Manning and then he went to he went to Chicago, and people gave him a lot of credit for cutting down on Cutler's turnovers. But I think, and I haven't watched that much of the Dolphins in the last couple of weeks because I've written them off, even though they've somehow pulled out a few games. His offense, I, I think, as the NFL is involved, his offense is less is not as effective because he's he's so reliant on these short passes and whatnot. And maybe the Dolphins line just isn't good enough to sustain you know deeper drops. But I just feel like he. By, by cutting down on turnovers, he also limits quarterbacks because he takes away so many of their downfield throws. And I think, I mean, that's what happened to Cutler that year that everyone was going off about how he fixed Jay Cutler. He fixed them because he was forcing him to throw these little screens all the time. And I think you kind of see that with Tannehill at times. And I, I don't think, I like Adam Gase as a coach. I think he should get another shot somewhere. But I don't think he's quite that offensive mastermind that he was four years ago. Um, I think the NFL has, has evolved. I think other guys have kind of passed him by. And also, he's also stuck with Ryan Tannehill, so maybe that's the problem. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> worth noting that the Dolphins are owned by uh, Stephen Ross, who's a Michigan man who may be interested in chasing after Jim Harbaugh, who's reportedly going to get a godfather offer from the New York Jets, according to Mike Florio for Football Talk. The Jets losers on Sunday. They fell to the uh, Green Bay Packers in overtime, 44-38, to thanks to Aaron Rodgers hitting Devontae Adams in a pass that would ultimately give me a victory over Sean in fantasy. That's exciting. Oh, God, is that why I lost? So Aaron Rodgers did end one of my seasons. That's right, buddy. You did. I think you actually lost by exactly the amount of that uh, that touchdown. By the way, as soon as it went to overtime, I knew it was going to happen. I called it before it went to overtime, so that was exciting. Yeah, you lost by, uh, oh my God, you lost by exactly eight points. That's a reception, a first down, and a touchdown from Devontae Adams. How sad is that? Aaron Rodgers ended your season. You know, you know what? I traded, a- I sold, I, I talked to the devil a couple weeks ago, and I told him, give me the Bears win. Over the Packers, I'll suffer anything else. So, you know what? I'll take it. How'd you get Prisco's number? Whoa. Um, anyway, 44-38. Aaron Rodgers didn't look great. 37-55 for 442 yards and two touchdowns. Economy of St. Brown, the leading receiver, five catches, 94 yards. I'll tell you who did look great. Sam Darnold. 24-35, 341 yards, three touchdowns. Winging it all over the place to my boy Robbie Anderson. 140 receiving yards and a TD. Chris Herndon going off too. I think this Jets job, like, if you fired Sean McDermott, Todd Bowles, and Adam Gase, 
two of the three are going to get fired. This also, whole AFC three. East. No, it's just funny that yeah. here we are. Belichick just hangs out, <laughs> and there's, it's a never-ending so, uh, recycling. I think the Jets would be, by far be the most attractive job out of those three right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no one loves Josh Allen more than Sam Darnold, I would imagine. Nah. And as Breach pointed Sean, out, there's no Sean, quarterback. Sean, Miami. maybe. Sean likes him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sean and his Bills fans that follow him on Twitter. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I don't – is Jim Harbaugh a good coach? Do we know if he is? I know what he what he did in San Francisco was impressive. I will give him that. But I don't think he's been – I don't think Michigan fans are necessarily blown with what he's done. And is he a quarterback's guy or is he just sort of a guy who takes his shirt off at practice and gets guys pumped up to play? Like, I don't I don't know. I have a hard time telling. He's never stayed anywhere longer than four years, which is a red flag of uh, people being able to get along with him. Um, you know, he, he is very, he's more of a college coach. It feels like, I think he does do good stuff with quarterbacks. I mean, he meant to, you know, he, he turned Andrew Luck into a, a really good quarterback. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. He changed Alex, Even Smith, Alex Smith, changed Alex Smith's career. Exactly. Um, uh, hadn't done anything at Michigan. I don't know that he's really had the, the personnel there to do anything. Um, although Shea Patterson was pretty good this year, I think for stretches. Ryan's a draft guy. You would know. Um, he's coming back next year too. He is coming back next year. So maybe this is not the year for Jim, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Urban Meyer is finally gone. Maybe this is not the year for Jim Harbaugh to make a leap. Urban Meyer is going to be the AD. It's just an AD. So you were, you may have been right. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It's, wow. It's, you're healthy enough to be an assistant AD, but not to coach football. That's crazy, Urban. Um, good, good for you. DC Shelley. Good for you. Good for you being put in a position where your morals will be uh, an important factor in how the just athletics. Stop, just stop talking. Okay, right. No, this is good. This can get the podcast some publicity. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's a game I don't care about. Los Angeles beat the Arizona Cardinals 31 to 9. CJ Anderson, by the way, is encouraging people to donate to a charity. Go check us out his, his, uh, his Twitter account. If you, if you won your fantasy league because of CJ Anderson, who had a great day, go donate to his charity. Do it. Donate some of your winnings to him. Um, I can say that because I didn't have CJ Anderson in any of my leagues and I won. I won four of them, by the way, Sean. One against you. 20 carries. CJ Anderson, great Cal Bear. Yeah. 20, yeah, that's right. Uh, RBU, Shane Vereen, Marshawn Lynch, CJ Anderson, um, Ah, uh, Javid Best. Remember Justin how, Forsett. Justin Forsett. Love Justin Forsett. He created the shower pill. Some people don't know that. You see, it's, it's hugely popular now. So it's a, 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 a towel, like a, like a disposable wipe that you, you can, that football players wipe themselves off with. I swear to God. I interviewed him at my first Super Bowl about this. <laughs> um, it's a big thing now. So watch, watch out for it. 20, 20 carries, 167 yards and a touchdown. Jared Goff, 19 to 24. Not bad. The uh, the Cardinals stink. They're gonna have to fire Steve Wilkes. He's terrible. There's, the, I'm, we're not we're not diving into this game anymore. It's, it's terrible. <coughs> Excuse me. Chicago, San Francisco, Chicago fourteen, San Francisco nine. Tell us something about this game, Sean. You watch the whole thing. Uh, it, it was a bad game. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's numbers were good, and he made a couple big throws, but. I don't know if either team looked impressive, and I'm telling you, there was a small part of me thinking when the Bears were losing that this is an okay loss because that means they can just sit their guys next week against the Vikings, but then they went and pulled out a win. Um, I, I really don't have that many takeaways. It was a bad football game. There was a, an incident late in the game, probably the most notable moment in the game, when Trubisky got hit late as he was sliding, kind of reminiscent of the hit that caused him to miss two games. So not surprising to see the Bears players it was on their sideline react, and then Richard Sherman ended up getting in there. Three players got ejected. Um, there, I don't, I don't think we have to talk about this game. I, I think the Bears looked emotionally hungover after the big win over the Packers, and they ended up being able to beat 
Um, a bad team. I, here's the one thing. Cody Parkey might be a problem come playoffs. He missed another short field goal, and this is becoming something that's happened. I would not trust him. And the Bears cutting Robbie Gold all those years ago might have been one of Ryan Pace's worst moves ever. It's going to come back to haunt him. If that's it. your worst move ever, that's a pretty good run. Ryan Pace is on. Well, Kevin White's his worst move ever, but. Well, good for him. Well, firing John Fox was number one, and then the draft that he's had. He's, he's had a pretty good run. Where would you rank Nick Mullins? How was his game? Because he's going to get traded for a first he, round. He, I don't think he was good. He was under a lot of pressure. Matt Breida got hurt early. Dante Pettis got hurt. He didn't have anybody to throw he to. He threw 38 times, and they ran the ball 15 times. Brinson's right. Like, And you're going against that Bears pass rush. I, it's a difficult game to judge him in. And I, He didn't play horrible. Like He didn't. He, there are a lot of quarterbacks in that situation would have thrown five interceptions, and he didn't do that. So I don't think he's half bad, and I still think someone might be stupid enough to give up a fourth or fifth round pick for him. They're not trading a fourth round, fifth round pick. They're going to keep him yeah. and let him be their backup. He's too. And that cheap. wouldn't be stupid. Fourth round pick's fine for, for something like that. You can like, a, start six games. If you can get a, sec- I, if you can get a second round pick for him, you can trade him. Not a fourth round pick. Is Nick Mullins better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm not saying he would start, but is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, what if what if the forty if the 49ers had won this game, they'd be going into Week 17 against the uh, against the Rams with a chance to even like have the exact same record as last year with basically the same way that they closed out last year. People fawning all over Nick Mullins and said Jimmy Garoppolo, but no, he is he is not better. Jimmy Garoppolo is better and better looking, I might add too. He's handsome. He's, very he's handsome. damn handsome. The Buffalo Bills lost to the New England Patriots by 12. They did cover Sean McDermott, cover master, thanks to a long <laughs> touchdown pass from uh, Josh Allen to Zay. to Zay Jones, ECU, North Carolina native. Love me some Zay Jones. Um, did Sean tweet out that clip of the touchdown pass? No, he didn't. No, Sean, I, that doesn't fit my narrative. Yeah, Sean's got a narrative against Josh Allen. He's just trying Steamboat to – narrative. Yep. I'm over that narrative. Sean has Tom Brady on his fantasy team though, and he went 13 of 24 for 126 yards, one touchdown, and two picks for a 48.3 passer rating. That's and it's taken out. How come you didn't tweet out any pictures of Tom Brady throwing crap balls all over the place? <laughs> because it doesn't fit answer my that narrative. one, Sean. Look, in all seriousness, you tweet you tweet what I tweeted, which was a Josh Allen missing a five yard out by 15 yards, throwing it out of bounds. How come you, you tweet didn't... it? Because it's funny to make fun of Josh Allen. I'm not trying to write Josh. Are you, Allen why are you? Why are you a bully? Why are you picking on Josh Allen? Because it's easy to make fun of. Like everyone coming after me, exactly. you are entirely right. But people who think I'm trying to. I didn't write a 500-word article about, like, here's why Josh Allen sucks with this one throw. It's just one throw that's funny. And you know what? People are asking me, why didn't you tweet about the Tom Brady miss that he had the drive earlier? Because Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and Josh Allen is a guy who had major accuracy concerns coming into the league and has still shown those exact same weaknesses as a pro. So I think one with him missing a five-yard out, is more it means more than Brady missing. Um, an well, easy pass. Tom Brady had some concerns coming to the league. He was a six-round pick, and also there's some concerns about him declining right now. You could have been like, I oh, did. look at Tom Brady totally in decline. Tweet the video, but you didn't, Sean. You didn't. I, I'll, then I'll say this. I think Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, I, I think they're done. I, I really do. I they're think, fine, though. They're in that terrible division. My I don't, from this game right. is they're going to make the playoffs. I, I just they, think they've already is, They've actually already clinched the playoffs. They're going to get a first-round bye. Um, because the Texans lost. And I, I think you watched them the last three weeks. I don't think you can find a positive of how Tom Brady has played. And I think if you go back at his game log, he had a couple games before this, um, three game stretch where he didn't throw like a single touchdown. And 
I think the one of the big problems with Brady is that Gronk also looks horrible, and he doesn't have his number one weapon. And now he's forced to throw into James White or Julian Edelman, and there's no really downfield threat. They lost Josh Gordon. I I I, I don't think this Patriots team has a chance to win the Super Bowl. And I'll look spread. Stupid. What's the spread if the Ravens go to New England? Patriots minus five and a half. Ooh. I would take the Ravens defense. I think I might too. It's fine. So do you think Belichick is pretty aware that how fast his team is fading, how fast Brady and Gronk? I mean, he tried to trade Gronk, so we know that, right? I mean, and we saw Jason walking for JLC's report from Sunday morning saying that the front office, some of these guys might be looking at their way out. You know what I want to see Bill Belichick do? I want to see him leave New England after this year and go coach the Browns. That's it. I'm putting it out there right now. Belichick to the Browns. And I think he was angry about, uh, reportedly angry that Jimmy, he had to trade Jimmy GQ. He didn't want to trade him. As... And he's probably more angry about it right now because he's like, this is exactly what I knew was going to happen. Also, how, how lucky are the Lions? I said this a couple weeks ago that that Gronk trade fell through because Gronk refused to go there because that would have yeah, been an all time bad. One big bowl of luck. They're, they're, they're well on their way. <laughs> you guys are great. No, what Breach is about to say exactly right. That team would have been better with Gronk. Yes, even beat up Gronk absolutely would have made the lines better. That team yeah, is but just what's the horrible. price? It still wouldn't be worth for a team that's already cap strapped, giving up a draft pick for a guy who's gonna retire in two years Steve and go whatever. To WWE. Yeah, it's Matt Patricia. He makes a crappy trade, he gets fired in two years and he goes back to New England. So it's all it's all a giant circle, revolving door, Sean. He's only I, I, I think Josh McDaniels really has to regret not going to Indianapolis. I bet he doesn't. He's going to get this job. And Would you want this job after Brady's gone? I wouldn't want this the job. The team has won the, the division 10 years in a row? Yes. Yeah, I think with, I and, and with uh, uh, after Brady leaves, I think the Patriots are in trouble because I think Darnold looks good. Oh, um, look, I don't like Josh Allen, but at least the Bills have started a potential you know process and development of a quarterback. I wouldn't right, want to. What's, what's I don't even game? want to be the guy who follows Bill Belichick. I, I, I really I, wouldn't want to be that guy. I agree with that. Like you don't want to be the. Well, next he came one. back, so clearly he's okay with it. Like you don't like Matt Doherty and Bill Guthridge. In, in, in <laughs> your, Doherty, your pre- you, I'm sorry. looking behind your head, man. At Dean Smith, why would you want to follow Dean Smith? Why would Doherty's you? Want, actually up there when he was. I'm man. sure he was. Why would you want, like? You don't want to be the next Duke basketball coach. You're going to get fired in three years because you're not going to be Coach K, and people are going to get sick and of you. Brady's not there. Right. But also, let me Garoppolo throw in the advantage. There. There's an advantage there for if you're Bob Kraft because you can make a risky hire. You go out there and hire, a, you know, a 30 year old if you have to get a Sean McVay type, go for younger, because no one's going to want to go after Belichick. So boom, you just you go something crazy. If it doesn't work out, who cares? You have two or three bad years, and then now the next person isn't after Belichick, and you go for quality instead of risk. So do you, I, you know, I, 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 what? do you think McDaniel's leaves this off season? I would get the hell out. Why would you pass up that Colts job when you had Andrew Luck? And granted, he took some some risk. Frank Reich didn't know what he had in Andrew Luck, and it worked out. Come back with all these assurances that apparently Belichick and and Kraft made to him, and then bolt out the door. It was not like Tom Brady wasn't 40 years old last year. Because Brady wasn't playing like this a year ago, and Gronk wasn't playing like this a year ago. Granted, they were starting to show some signs. Tom Brady was significantly better last year than this year. No, no, I'm saying, but he, McDaniels is practice every day. He knows that Gronk probably was, has been injured for the last six or seven years, and he knows Tom Brady's 40 years old. I don't know. If I'm McDaniels, I'm only taking the Jets, the Browns, or the Packers job. Anything else, I pass it up. 
What if what if you're yeah. Belichick and you give Mc you like you step away to give McDaniel's a job as soon as the season ends, but then you go to Cleveland and steal him and leave him stuck with New England where he sucks, <laughs> and you build another dynasty for the next twenty years in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield? That's a that's a Star Wars episode, I believe. <laughs> that's um, my I, I I'm down for that. By the way, that would be the best thing to happen to the NFL. Belichick going to the Cleveland to finish his career. The uh, I th- Lock and Ford said last week, I was talking, we were just talking about Belichick for some reason. He was like, I think Bill has one year left on his contract. Is that right? It was like, he only has one year left. So like he, I mean, he could theoretically go somewhere. Sixties too, maybe. I don't know. Would he retire? I, I think, I, I thought there were rumors that he has in recent years that maybe it was in that Wickersham piece, the one that, um, caused all that controversy about like friends of Belichick saying never read he's, it. You never read the Wickersham story? Yes, I read. What, what, you should draw the cover of the NFL, for instance. I wrote, I, he doesn't I, want to coach to seventy. I was working the morning oh, right. it came Thank out. You. I Thank wrote you. nine <laughs> stories. But yeah, he didn't want to coach to seventy. By the way, the um, of course I read the Wickersham piece. It's great. Uh, that's Seth Wickersham. For those who don't know, Sean, Sean only dr- name drops last names for his ESPN friends. Um, the uh, the uh, I do not know Seth Wickersham for the record. He's a, he's a good dude. I do. I know. That played out badly for you. <laughs> Can we please, for the love of God, I have to work in 45 minutes? <laughs> I'm trying to jack this out. It's Christmas long. Eve. It is Christmas Eve. Um, what what yeah, did you get your kids for Christmas, right? Uh, my wife handles all the shopping. A lot of Legos, I know that. And uh, got my oldest son a, a rock climbing harness because he's really into rock climbing. So there you go. I'm a great dad. Thank you. Uh, by the way, in this Patriots game, Worth noting that the uh, seven people had a rushing attempt, including Brian Hoyer, who took knees. I will say that if the Patriots, the Patriots are going to get the bye, they're going to have two weeks. People are going to expect them to fold like a lawn chair in that first playoff game because Gronk and Brady aren't ready. Two weeks off, those guys are going to come out lights out early on. It's going to make me so angry. I'm so tired of this. I, I, that's why I'm angry the rest of that division for being terrible for 20 years now. They're, they're going to definitely win at least one playoff game. Yep. No, they can run the ball. I'll give them that. Sonny Michelle ran the ball well today. Tom Brady will be fine. Brenton is – Gronk may not be, but it won't matter. Uh, I believe we only have one game left, and we're not going to tell Wait, about. one more thing on the Patriots. Just think about it. They lost Josh Gordon on Friday out of the blue, had no clue it was going, going up against a very, very good Bills defense. I mean, as bad as the Bills have been, their defense has been great, and they just crammed the ball down the throat. Belichick didn't even carry, so we're going to hand it off 40 times, and we're going to run for 700 yards, and that's basically what they did. Uh, you know, that 270, 273 is what they ran for. That was the highest rushing total they've ever had with Tom Brady, second highest with Belichick. So it was just like they can win. Belichick's the court, the coach that just adapts the gameplay. He's going to do whatever he has to do to win. And like Ryan said, they're going to be completely healthy if they get the bye and you can't count them out. Last game. We're going to spend 30 seconds on this game because it's stuck. Oh, I've got a lot to say, actually. <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. I got one thing to say. Atlanta Falcons beat the Panthers twenty-four to ten. Taylor Heineke thirty-three of fifty-three. Anytime you can have Taylor Heineke throw the ball fifty-three times, you know you're going to win. Um, oh my god, he came out for a little bit too. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um. Someone named Allen went four for four with uh. For Allen, yeah. <laughs> no first name, just Allen. Cobb, Josh Allen. Allen's yeah. twin brother, K. Allen. Um, I thought uh, Kyle maybe. Kyle, it was Kyle Allen. I thought it like he was on the Bills at some point. I thought he was a defensive lineman at first. I was like, they're putting a defensive lineman in there. Uh, Matt Ryan, 15, 15 to twenty six for two hundred thirty nine oh, yards, three rookie. touchdowns. 
somebody named Hill had a bunch of rushing yards for the for the Falcons. Tevin Coleman was fine. Calvin Ridley had a caught a touchdown. This is a blowout. I took the Panthers. I'm a moron. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. This game stunk. What's your big milk take of the week, Sean? Before Wait, we I, get to the big milk take, let's yeah, interrupt because okay. I do not want Brinson to get hate mail from uh, every fan of America's team across this country. <laughs> I believe we still have a Buccaneers Cowboys. Oh my god! Oh. Oh. Just the most popular team in the whole entire country clinched the NFC East title as predicted wow. by your wow. truly. You a think that uh, Seth Wilkerson would have told Brinson that? This is just a playoff-focused podcast. Well, you know what? I predicted the Cowboys to go three and thirteen before the season, so I was trying to avoid it. Fair, uh, John. You brought it up. Talk about it. Uh, well, the funny thing is, they clinched the division. Their offense looked horrible. I mean, this was the Cowboys' defense carried them here. They had uh, Jalen Smith, who is awesome this year which is I mean that was one of the riskiest picks we've seen in the last few years they didn't even know if he was going to get back on the field all of a sudden I mean he's just tearing it up for them uh so much of Sean Lee wasn't even active today uh and then that was it you know they couldn't stop Jameis Winston threw for 336 yards looked good but it was the Cowboys defense just making play after play forcing turnovers uh and now you know they're in the playoffs and if I had to, and I hate saying this, if I had to rank the NFC playoff teams, and I don't even know who's all in it yet because it hasn't been finalized, I'm putting the Cowboys at fifth or sixth. It just seems like they're never good at the same time, except for the game against the Saints where offense, defense both look kind of good. But they just always – I don't even know what it is about them. There's, they don't do anything great, if that, that makes sense. So good for the Cowboys to clinch the division, especially when Jason Garrett was on the hot seat at three and five a few weeks ago, and I hope you guys love Jason Garrett because he's going to get that 10-year extension that we always joke about on this podcast, especially if he wins a playoff game. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, we can trash Cowboys all that all we want, but they won the NFC East, and that's impressive. Jameis Winston fumbled twice. He fumbled 15 times last year in 13 starts. He has seven fumbles this year. He's missed like half the year. I really don't know what the Buccaneers should do Nick Cole, um, at maybe. quarterback. Nick Foles could be there. Mike Lennon come down there, pay him a lot of money, not be great. No, no, he was drafted there. Still not be great, though. The Buccaneers are uh, a mess. Yep, that's right. How do they manage to cover this game? That's so annoying. A garbage Mike Evans touchdown pass. Jameis, Jameis stinks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick was Come there. around. I mean, I've been there. Jameis stinks. I blasted Jameis coming out. I was I was there before you were. I, I said he was going to throw thirty. Well, I wasn't I wasn't born yet, so he can't hold that against me. When Jameis was drafted in twenty, uh, I said he was going to throw thirty picks as a as a rookie. And the GM, <laughs> I, I remember this actually. I'm pretty sure that Jason Light, the GM, made fun of me after the season in like in like a inconspicuous way. He's like, who knows? Some people thought he might throw thirty picks. Um, and that's fine. And, and both those Jameis fumbles, besides the one that was returned for a touchdown, the other one the Cowboys recovered at the four-yard line. So that literally, they, he gift-wrapped Merry Christmas, Dallas. He gift-wrapped 14 points for the Cowboys right there. And how crazy is it that the state of Florida has, like, the three worst quarterback situations in mm. the entire NFL? I mean, like, let's just cut off the panhandle, push it out into the Caribbean, and forget about it. You know, like, this is just... Well, we Ugly. should we should do that anyway, irrespective of the, the quarterback situation. Just send Florida. Sean dropping some geography on us. I like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Sean. 
The big milk take of the week. Oh, I just, real quick, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to one of my best friends back home, Jack Jacobs, who beat me in the fantasy championship. He's down by 0.8 points and he has Jared Cook tomorrow or tonight. There's zero chance Jared Cook could go for less than eight yards in a game. It's happened eight times in his a, career in games this, he started, this, so there's no chance it'll happen. Is this Congratulations. a take? Is this a take or is this an elaborate jinx? This is a, this is me praying to the football gods to pull out a miracle. There's no chance Jared Cook could possibly go for less than eight yards in the game for the ninth time in his career in games that he started. No chance at all. Just want to congratulate and it's a tough loss for me. What um, would your, but. what would your reaction be if Jared Cook caught a 15 yard pass and then fumbled and pulled his hamstring? I would be happy. It's all oh the hamstring. Oh my god! Wait, you you said you wanted Phil Lindsay to break his ankle. Pull the hamstring. I, I don't want Cook will be that. ready for next year. The Raiders aren't do, aren't doing <laughs> oh my anything. God, absolutely a pulled hamstring. What? What would your reaction be if Jared Cook was walking out of the warmups and slipped on the concrete in Oakland and broke his leg? I would be saddened for the player because they're human beings, but oh at the same time, you know, I, it's not like I wouldn't enjoy my fantasy championship, but I would, I wouldn't be happy about the way I'd win there, but would I take it? Probably. Look, you, you advocated for Phil Lindsay breaking his ankle well before we entered this realm. So I feel okay saying I would feel bad about it, but I would take it. You just, you are, look, folks. Comma, comma, comma. If Jared Cook goes down tomorrow walking in for warm-ups, find out where Sean is. He's probably We've got the sound bite. Yeah. I'll be on the, I'll be on the road, so I'll be on the move. Good luck finding me suckers. What'd you get your, uh, what'd you get your dad, Ryan, for Christmas? Uh, I have to check with my wife. I'm not sure. No. I mean, Sean, what did you get your father, Ryan Wilson, for Christmas? Oh, I, I have a shirt that I'm, I've had since last. Um, yeah, where is that? October. Forgot about it. Well, we were supposed to have an NFL summit, and that never happened, and it's sitting in my closet. Is 90 minutes too long for this podcast? Yeah, yeah. it's coming o'clock yeah. my time. I feel like is, we've done it. Is our, Chris, is our Christmas present a uh, Pick 6 podcast t-shirt? Yes. I haven't seen that in my mail yet. I'm working on it. We will get them for you. I promise. You guys are the well, best. Well, better than the, the previous version of this podcast where Brent's promised every listener uh, cans that's of beer. True. That's true. And then it just got – it was too – I've heard you got the hookups now. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, a case of ketchup from Hunts, and I'm going to donate it to a local elementary school if, if that's a legal thing that you could do. Good. So you know, you spread sugar to kids. You don't need all that sugar. Ketchup Good river. on you, Brent. Hashtag ketchup sucks. Hashtag f ketchup. All right, guys. That should have been your big milk take of the week. Is that ketchup sucks? Let's get out of here for this case of ninety minutes. Mustard is better on fries and ketchup. There's my big milk take of the week. And hash browns. All ranch. potatoes. Just get ranch. Just go with ranch. Oh, ranch, 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 and ranch is number one, but mustard <laughs> number two. Ryan, hey guys, guys, what are we doing? Ryan has to work in six hours. <laughs> I, I assume every listener is asking that same question. My Christmas present to myself is, is suicide because I can't take this. We're going to pull that clip. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you again before the new year. I will, uh, I'll be back on Tuesday with Brady Quinn. We'll have an episode on Christmas soon. So if you listen to this 90 minute while you're traveling, make sure to subscribe and rate and review. Talk to you guys next week.